Welcome back to Get With The Programming. I'm Chase Ingram. I'm Captain America. And along with me is Bill Grundler. Wolverine. And I got it right this time. Nice job, dude. <laughs> nice job. Where's the red <laughs> intro song button, not the outro room. song button? You moved rooms. You got the right button. I know. I was. Uh, so I panicked a little bit You're this morning. You're all color coordinated. Look at you. Oh, I know. Yeah, I got black shorts on too. So I've got a lot of. I bet. Got the American-made rogue shirt, crosset patch hat with the camo and the black in the back, and then black noble you got, shorts. You're, just, you're green and black, dude. You're green and black, like. Hey, I got you're kind of black. <laughs> you're kind of coloring. Well, um, I'm always wearing black. That's different. that's true. That's, just, that's true. That doesn't, that doesn't really count. And that sweet shirt. Sweet shirt. Mm-hmm. Oh, Bill rocking the OG shirt. What's up, Stefan? Good morning, everyone. Well, no, yes. Good morning for Bill. I won't go through the whole worldwide um, <laughs> <laughs> clock scale. Stefan had that. Every time. Stefan had that every time. awesome um, story the post best. about the. <laughs> Actually, I want to see if I can pull this up. But good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Glassman Chipper article. Number three, as we work our way through the CrossFit Journal, he's, um, uh, I hope I can pull this up. It's from Sesame Street, dude. Sesame Street. Oh, I can see you. Oh. Your post. See me? Oh, let me, let me pull this up. Ah. This is great. Ah, <laughs> oh, there we are. Instagrams. Oh, hi, Instagrams. Who's that guy? Who is that, who is that guy? Oh, let's see. Where can we go? Me? Us? Oh, this is funny. Uh, where do I get the sound? Up or down? This one. There it is. I don't have sound on it. Anyway. Oh, really? Yeah. What's they fun. just say, yep, 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 That was good. <laughs> Janelle, Stefan, Bill, I see you in the chat already. <laughs> Yash, what's up? That's right. Daniel, hey, everyone. What's up, Jules? Oh, man. Welcome. Welcome to article number three of the Glassman Chipper, one that we are extra excited about. What is fitness? Which How is this, how is this not the first one? Uh, that's a good question. I, oh. Because I this the what it is, is like this is – I mean, you talk about we had the foundations and all that kind of stuff, but like you talk about the backbone of our whole deal. Like mm-hmm. our whole deal is we, well, Glassman, Greg was the first person to ever put a true definition to fitness, so that you have a a goal to drive to 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 develop your programming, your methodologies, whatever, to have a particular direction to go. And how is that not the first thing? Uh, I mean, that blows me away. It blows me away. This shit is like the, this is like the preface to, uh, or the prologue to all of the other ones. I would think. Almost. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. Although foundations, I mean, that wasn't a bad one to start with either. Well, no, 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 no. I get it. I get it. But do you remember where you were when you read this? Uh, really? I was in my taking my level one, getting prepared for that. I got my level one in. I want to say October of two thousand nine. Okay. So that's when I, I think first, that I, was my first ex, like experience with it. I read this probably 2005 and I was at the fire station. Okay. I, I remember it cause I was, 
I was I I I've I've lifted and everything for years and years and years. I did the old back and buys chest and tries like everybody else around my time that was around my era of of working out. We lifted and so that was the good thing. And mm. I did it for wrestling and I did it for fire and everything. And I got to a point where I didn't I was already stronger than most of the guys I worked with. I was faster than most of the guys that I worked with. Um I knew I was in good shape but I really didn't know what I was working out for anymore mm -hmm. when there were all these other people that weren't in that sort of shape. And so it's like, do I need to do this? So that coupled with my elbows were hurting, my knees oh, were starting to hurt. Yeah. My, my shoulders were always getting sore from doing the same type of working out all the time. The, just the, re the repetition of bench, bench, bench. Oh, I did legs, man. You did, well, <laughs> didn't do legs, but I did legs back in the day. Um, but I, I just, I was so just bummed on what I was doing. It was the first time I'd ever really thought about being bummed out about working out. And yeah. I had done CrossFit before I'd messed with it before because of Nick who told me about it and stuff. And I was like, you know, let me, let me just check this stuff up again. And I was at the station. It was after, I think it was, you know, it was after five, I already did my workouts. I was I think I did lat pull downs and <laughs> man, I love lat pull downs. That was one of my favorite machine <laughs> cabled <so> exercises. <laughs> I yeah. could I could get some action in on those lat pull oh, downs. Man. You just feel like feel like a chance when you're like lifting the whole stack. You're like I am so awesome. Yes, pin to the bottom. Do the stack. Right. <laughs> <laughs> did you um, um, have a place where they had like a mine? This was like a circuit in my um, where I used to swim. They had a seat belt attached to the ground to keep me on the ground to do lat pull downs <laughs> so well i mean like they had like the leg things that would you'd slide your leg yeah we didn't have that, that. we just had a seat belt <laughs> well okay so at my fire station we there was this rig that was set up i think it was kind of jerry rigged a little bit so someone kind of manufactured a pulley system on it so it didn't have the thing that you could sit in mm -hmm. so i would have to have my firefighter hold my shoulders down so i would go down and sit down and he would come up on top and you know put his hands on my shoulders and like keep me down to the ground as i'm not trying to come flying up as i'm lifting mm -hmm. the, the weights up so we would have to do that one so I, but i could see that i've seen the old school ones that have the seatbelt, that little clasp and the little yeah gotta push the button the whole deal oh that's the best but i I remember sitting, I was, I was just kind of just pissed and I just Googled CrossFit again to like, see what I can, see what I could pull up. And I saw this, what is fitness? And I was like, Oh, what's that all about? Mm. And I got into it and dude, I was, th this, this was my, this article was my light bulb. I had already done CrossFit oh, really? done a bunch of workouts, but this was the one that made me go, Oh shit. This is what, this is what I want to be able to do. Mm -hmm. I want to be good at all of these things for work for competition, whatever, for fun, for act activity, for everything. It, this, this blew the lid off of what I thought fitness was all about and wise. And it was amazing. That's really this cool. Is my light bulb right here. Yeah. That's really cool. Oddly yeah. enough, when I said I, I got this at my level one, cause I didn't actually know too much about CrossFit, the training methodology going into my level one. I was just getting it to start coaching at the affiliate I was at. Yeah. But it, it just, the my level one experience was unreal. Uh, we talked about who our trainers were at, at our level ones, but man, 
it was it was a light bulb moment for me, but in a two day seminar. But oddly enough, we're hosting a level one, a midweek one at the gym, which is why I'm in my oh, nice. <laughs> which is why I'm in my dining room doing uh, this. Uh, saw a couple of these things in the chat about you know is this a good read, a great bathroom read? Is a yes anywhere great read? But I was talking to Ken from Sherpa Works who does all our OG yeah. and cult gear, and we're kicking around the idea of basically making a binded edition of the Glassman Chipper articles that we'll just distribute for those that want it. Because we're not going to sit back and just like try to make money on something, someone else's work, right? But right, right. we have the idea is like, okay, maybe we can create, you know, a coffee table book was thrown out there. And that's already been a conversation with Ken actually, is to, like he's already got it mocked up, but make a bind edition of the Glassman Chipper articles. And, you know, we're doing one of these a week. We've, we've got a year and a half worth of material right now. So if we if yeah. we stay on this schedule, it's a year and a half. But I think making that available for just people to basically procure, not even buy, because this is not a money-making endeavor. This is a educational, you know, life-changing endeavor. And we want to make it easily accessible. You know, we'll put the links in all the PDFs and all of our, our videos, but... Um, he, we had been talking about that and I think that'd be awesome. I think it's a super cool idea. I mean, I know I, I could probably still find my printed out ver like the first time I did it, three ring binder, a whole deal. Like when it would come out monthly, I would print it out because I, and that was a big thing. And, and you even, you had to pay for it back then. Yeah. You know, you had to pay, I don't remember how much it was. It wasn't a lot or anything, but I remember no. you had to pay. Uh, a certain amount, and every time it would come out, I'm like, oh, sweet, new one come, would come out, and I'd print it out. <laughs> right. And so I like I remember having all that, but to have like for me, a any old school CrossFit anything, like I love, I'm I'm a purist when it comes to the classics. Like I have old school surf books that I just love because I look at them and it's like old, like that to me is the history of the start of the beginning of the black and white pictures, all that kind of stuff. And that would be, this is exactly that. That would be super cool. Super cool. I mean, exactly like that, just in a, 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 a bound setup. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so cool. I think it'd be really neat. And so we're kicking around some ideas for that. And we just want to make it easy for people to <laughs> rich mahogany. get rich mahogany. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny that you mentioned that. Yeah. You did. You have to use to, you had to pay for the journal back in the day. I think yeah. you got a year subscription if you got your level, you one, your level one, which was yep. an incentive there. But I love that you're talking about, I was like, I was looking forward to the next um, release of what the article is. And I think in our position now, you know, being in this for so long, I th maybe we take for granted of how nice that was or exciting that was to get that information. But it feels kind of good to do the same thing. Well, and the, it, you're right. It, I think it totally does um, in that that the fact that you had to pay for it almost meant that you knew you were part of this group. Like, you know, here we are. We talk about the cult. We talk about the OG and the cult and the culture and all that kind of stuff. Um, and there will be a line in the journal here that that we'll bring up that I want to bring up when it comes in and that talks about how CrossFit just the, by the nature of who we are and what we do, we ruffle feathers. And yeah. it was cool to be part of that group that did that. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, it still is. <laughs> well, we're bringing that back. We're That's bringing it deal. back. We're bringing that shit back. Bringing it back. 
All right. So before we get into this, we want to thank our partners of the show, Bubs Naturals. Go to bubsnaturals.com. Use the code GETWITH20 for 20% off. They have the MCT oil powder, the collagen protein, 20 grams of protein, right, Bill? Just saw your... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 20% off 20 grams of protein in your coffee in the morning, as well as the apple cider vinegar gummies. September 11th is fast approaching, and that was the date that Sean Lake and his friends lost their pal and Navy SEAL, Glenn Bubbs Doherty, which is the namesake of the company. And we will be doing the hero workout, Glenn, after him on that date this year for September 11th. And if you guys haven't already, go to element26.co. There are some clean and jerks in there, lighter to grace buy-in to that. But, you know, throw yourself a little weight belt in there and uh, makes grace just a little bit easier. And use the code get with 15 for 15% off your next PR. So today's article is the CrossFit Journal article, What is Fitness? I believe it was October 2000 when it came out. And as we look at this, when we have these highlights, I actually got this question is, the color scheme here is anything yellow, I think is one of those is like, hey, this is need to know information. Anything that's in pink, there's not like a red option on my PDF, so <laughs> <laughs> it's pink, is I would say a red flag or, you know, something that you should pay attention to. Point. Yeah, discussionary point. And anything in blue, we highlight as something that is just imperative information, right? These are the, the, the gold nuggets, so to speak. So when we start things off is when we look at this 20 years ago, so keep in mind the the time at which we're doing this, how, how old is this? CrossFit isn't even, doesn't even have the capital F. <laughs> just, that's how old this is. It, you know, we didn't proofread that too much back in the day, but outside magazine made the claim of the fittest man on earth to be Mark Allen. Now, to his credit, the dude won six Ironmen, like Kona Ironmen, which is incredible. Just to do an Ironman at all, two and a half, two point four mile swim, hundred and twelve mile bike, followed by a marathon. Just completing that, you are an incredible human being. Just from a cardiovascular endurance standpoint. Men, I mean, it's no joke to accomplish one of those. But the prescription of the fittest man on earth was interesting. And we have here in yellow as the greatest decathlete from the Olympics. We have it here as Simon Pullman at the time. Was not given that title. And the question here or the, the statement bags is like, what can Mark do aside from one thing that Simon can't. And when you look at the 10 general physical skills, they say Simon can probably crush Mark in anything that includes strength, power, speed, and coordination. And I would probably throw in there things like flexibility. You know, you, you see a lot of distance runners where they just have like iron ankles and hips because of the training and the nature of which they need to spend to be proficient in those. And the big thing that lacked at the time when you're saying this is the fittest person on earth is what were you basing that off of other than what you thought or looked at something that would be incredibly difficult from a fitness perspective. And the problem is, is that there was no definition of fitness. 
which is bizarre to me. Like how how is it that we have an area of our world that is so undefined? Yet everyone is competing, everyone is doing stuff, everyone's trying to get in shape. Everyone, I mean, even even with that, I'm I need to get in shape. Well, what the hell does that mean? Right, get in shape. What like you need less inches, less weight? Is there a certain range of that? I mean, all of those things. None of those things were included. And when you look at, you know, what is determined as, you know, healthy or unhealthy, when you're talking just on the medical side, even though even those parameters, like they basically are, okay, what's the mediocre bottom level between like a pass or fail? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, well even going by that, like you, you do not get any sort of definition. And if you don't have a definition, how are you supposed to work towards that goal, whatever it is? Mm -hmm. And know? the definition that we had or, or was in the dictionary, Webster's dictionary was defining fitness as being fit as the ability to transmit genes and being healthy. <laughs> <laughs> That was the definition. You, you almost aren't even allowed to say that one anymore, talking about transmitting genes. I was like, you mean, I mean like, nowadays, you know that that'll end up on Sevon's podcast. Having somewhere. a baby, like creating <laughs> a human, because that's transmitting genes. That's the process of. So mm -hmm. is everybody that has the capability to create life fit? I would. It's just a matter of, do, are you able to excrete semen or not? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're transmitting, that means you have to True. move forward. Yes, and I, then dude, the and being healthy. Such a bad definition. Being healthy. The hell does the hell that, that mean? Means. Yeah, exactly. Well, don't worry. Crossa defines that later as well. Not right. in this article, but <laughs> soon to be. Worse yet, the NSCA, the quote most respected publisher in exercise physiology, in their highly authoritative essentials of strength training and conditioning doesn't even attempt to define what fitness is. Why? Because when you put a definition to it, you have to make sure that you own up to that definition. If you don't define it, you can make up whatever the fuck you want, yeah. which is probably why they didn't do it. And as we look at CrossFit's definition of fitness, it says the vacuum of guiding authority has therefore necessitated that CrossFit's directors provide their own definition of fitness. And the key to understanding the methods and achievements of CrossFit are perfectly embedded in our view of fitness and basic exercise science. As we scroll down here, world-class fitness in 100 words, that will come up, I hope, forever. And again, folks, what we're looking at is a fitness program, a strength and conditioning program based off empirical data, not just scientific method. We watch, right? It's What is it? The mechanics consists of the intensity as far as how you approach it, but observable, measurable, and repeatable. That's how we figured all this out. It wasn't formulas and hypothesis. It was actual work. And so when you look at fitness in 100 words, we're talking about getting off the couch and what fitness should look like. And that prescription is eat meats, vegetables, nuts and seeds, some fruit, little starch, no sugar. Keep intakes to a level that will support exercise but not body fat. Practice and train major lifts, deadlift, clean, squat, presses, clean and jerk, snatch. Similarly, master the basics of gymnastics, pull-ups, dips, rope climb, push-ups, sit-ups, presses to handstand, pirouettes, mm. flips and splits. Mm. Mm. <laughs> 
mm. and holds bike, run, swim, row, etc. hard and fast five or six days per week. These elements in as many combinations as patterns as creative creativity will allow routine is the enemy. Keep workout short and intense and regularly learn and play new sports, which is so simple. We don't need to overcomplicate and, that. No, and I and again, this is pre CrossFit Games. This is not to say that if you do this, you will be the best football player or the best CrossFit athlete or the best swimmer or whatever. It's a matter of how you are able to maximize your potential as a human that's going about their business, doing their stuff, staying healthy, being healthy, uh, being functional for as long as possible so yes there is gonna there are gonna be some generalities that are in there but basically speaking if you do those things you're gonna be i mean well ahead of the mass population that's out there mass. That cannot do any of i mean cannot do and, and do not do not even cannot do not do refuse to do for whatever reason any of those things that are super simple i mean you know, we, we've been on this planet for a while now. And before we even had all of the diets and all of the craziness and, and whatever, our bodies had to function a particular way. And so this is a very boiled down way to get to that. And one of the things, I mean, my, it's funny, you know, we, the couple episodes ago, you said, I never knew you were a biology anatomy yeah. physiology <laughs> was your, was your, you know, degree. Um, I loved all of the scientific stuff about that, but mm -hmm. what, what, this being on the first page, what I liked about it was, and what I really, really enjoyed with what Glassman did is he was able to take the most complicated ideas and boil them down to where you can get rid of all of the static and all the noise and get down to the basic. Get down to, okay, what's the basis here? And if you are able to do more work in less amount of time across broad times and modal domains, you were going to have better body fat composition, better VO2 max, better, you know, uh, less chance of diabetes and all of those things. So I just love how this simple 100 words boils it all down. And I wonder if it was hard for him to actually get it into 100 words and if he had to fight to get to some of those because it sounds probably cool. it's not as cool as say world class fitness in 97 words in 102 words. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to your point is like, this is the basic prescription to be predominantly the healthiest and fittest person in no matter what room you walk into, unless it's yeah. a room with a cross of games athlete, they might be a little fitter than you. <laughs> but other well, than that, yeah, to but, be the fittest person in a room, it's this simple. Yeah, it's this simple. All right. As we keep going down, it will come to no surprise to most of you that our view of fitness is a contrarian view. And I have in red. Who knew, right? The general public. Well, I mean, the, we oh, were ahead. we rubbed everybody's feathers. We ruffled everybody's feathers. And the feathers we and ruffled the what, most are this NSCA group that tried oh, to, and did for a long time. I mean, that was one of the last. Muddy that the was waters. One of the last things that Greg did before before he left. Yes, I mean, there was the, the you know the 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 big pharma the sugar stuff. But I mean mm -hmm. that that one thing. It was we're going to go to court. And we will smash you, and I don't care how much it costs. It was like a 10, 15-year campaign. Yeah. Where the NCNSCA basically created this fake study to promote that CrossFit is dangerous. Yeah. And they falsified everything to do so. And Greg, before 
he had moved on, won that battle to the point that he could have dismantled the entire thing. That's how much he basically owned their asses. And so to the general public, both in opinion and in media, <clears throat> speaking of, holds endurance athletes as exemplars of fitness. We do not. And we're not saying these people are unfit. They are very fit. But are they the fittest is a different question. CrossFit makes use of three different standards or models for evaluating and guiding fitness. The first is 10 general physical skills. The other is based off performance of athletic tasks, which we'll get into, and energy systems. It says that each model is critical to the CrossFit concept and each has distinct utility in evaluating an athlete's overall fitness or strength and conditioning regimens. And I have that in yellow. Now, what I have in blue, for the record, let me just say that I have a huge fear and dislike of reading in front of people. <laughs> so if I screw up on some words, just understand is like, this is a, this is like public speaking for other people. <laughs> I hate, I hate so reading. Funny. I really do. And it all comes down from like grade school. Oh, I can see that. I like can see that Chase, sure. turn to page 47 and read. And I'm like, fuck, fuck, <laughs> fuck. please hey, don't you, make me do this. When, uh, when you look at the three different, um, models, mm -hmm. do you think that they are three different models? I mean, I, the, the line that it says that they, that they have uh, a different inutility. And I, I kind of personally, I feel that they are three different ways to say the same thing. Mm. Yeah. I mean, and granted, you're going to have like, you know, if you're talking strength on one and you could look at the graph and strength and strength. Okay. But if you're looking at, you know, the energy uh, pathways, okay, well, you're kind of in that realm because some, some of those will be able to showcase strength because of the energy that it takes to do a certain thing, whether you're doing one rep max or if you're doing cycles or whatever. Um, or being able to do whatever, a heavy something that day. I have to lift up one of my firefighters off the ground with all mm -hmm. the stuff on. Like that's a one rep max. That's a strength. That's a, uh, you know, phosphogenic setup. Yeah. So it's like, do you see them as three different things or do you see them as different versions of the same thing? I think the word different really throws people off, meaning like these are separated. I, I see them as three complementary things where... Okay to reference something older is like building Voltron. Like you can't make Voltron without these three pieces or these, you know, four machines to create this like super machine. And Got so it. when you look at the 10 general physical skills, what we effectively call the hopper of performance and athletic tasks and energy systems is you can't have fitness without all of these combined. Not one is its own definition of fitness. That's how I look at it. They're right. all different in other ways, but I feel like they all fill the gaps that one of a one of them alone can't do. If that makes sense. I can see that. Yeah. I just thought that'd be I think it's important for people mm -hmm. to think or to hear that. I don't like you hear what their comments are about or hear what we think about them. Because they do seem like they're almost three different they're presented yeah. as three different deals. Yeah. But I, I really feel it's like, okay, but here, here's what we're looking at when we're saying this. And here's, I mean, I'm, this is the thing. 
but I will announce it this way if I'm trying to explain this, or I will announce it this way if I'm trying to explain this. Like to me, when you say the Hopper model, mm -hmm. that is the most boiled down version of whatever, because the Hopper model has to include yeah. the 10 physical traits. And the 10 physical traits, if you have power and strength and cardiorespiratory stamina, mm -hmm. endurance, and, and uh, endurance and stamina, well then now you're talking about three different energy pathways yeah. So it's almost like three different versions. Of, at least that's the way I kind of see it. I no, I, so, I know exactly I what you're saying. And I look at it as... Yes. And what I'm doing right now is I'm trying to make this so it isn't that you have to read through everything, but so that there's more discussion about the pieces. Because mm. I think... I think everyone has heard about the hopper. I mean, like we can go through and hit the points for sure. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm not going to... We're not going to belabor one or the other. I think, it, yeah. I think, yes, like what you're talking about is... If you look at the 10 general physical skills, is like, okay, we have all these. Now you use the hopper as a varied combination of all types of movements that encompass these skills. And then you use the metabolic pathways as different modalities and time domains to use all of those different things. Like, so yes, the, it's all work together. So it's those like, are, you know, perfect. And, and you, you blended that right yeah. into what the definition of, mm -hmm. or our definition of fitness is. You have to be able to have those to showcase how time domains, different modalities, varied, varied activities. Mm -hmm. So boom, 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 hopper, energy system, and then, uh, is the other one? Oh yeah, 10 physical traits. Yeah. Continue. Continue. All right, so let's go through this. The CrossFit's first standard is the 10 general physical skills. These are cardiovascular, respiratory endurance, stamina, speed, flexibility, power, coordination, agility, balance, and accuracy. I'm so glad they didn't write coordination twice like they did in the foundations. Oh, uh, I know. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> now, when you look at these 10 general physical skills, there's a group of four and four with two in the middle that have different types of traits. So endurance, stamina, strength, and flexibility can be improved with training. And what we mean by that is doing these things will make you better at them through training. Like endurance, if you go for running or you do basically CrossFit in a high intensity interval sets, you're gonna increase your endurance stamina. Your strength can be developed by training. You know, any type of strength cycle or linear progression, flexibility can only be done by doing it. Where the other four, coordination, agility, balance, and accuracy come through practice, right? And so the difference that I, I throw out there in an example is double unders. Double unders can only be improved through practice of the actual movement itself. It's a skill, a lot like throwing darts. And no amount of training outside of that practice of the skill, right, you can get bigger, stronger, and faster. And if you don't practice double unders, you'll never be good at them. But you can get bigger, stronger, and faster, and maybe your fran time goes down. Right, that's a training side effect, or your 2K road drops. Like that's a training side effect. And so when we look at those four, we look at practice. Power and speed, the two that we haven't, are adaptations of both of these traits. So the top four and bottom four between training and practice is where you improve those. The second standard is the essence of this model is the view that fitness is about performing well at every task imaginable. Now, in this first thing that we're looking at, these three, this is where Bill and I put a lot of our programming analysis through. So when we look at the test of fitness, 
we utilize these three exclusively versus what is fitness. So understand that this isn't what is the test of fitness. This is what is fitness on a whole. So we have a long continuum of things here, but these three that we're going through is how we analyze a lot of competitions. And so this second one is really effectively called the Hopper model, right? We have here in blue. This model suggests that your fitness can be measured by your capacity to perform well at these tasks in relation to other individuals. Fitness requires an ability to perform well at all tasks in unfamiliar tasks, tasks that combine in infinitely varying combinations and encourages the athletes to disinvest in the set notions of sets, rest periods, rests, reps, exercise, order of exercise, and routine periodization, meaning the CrossFit Games. <laughs> Right. <laughs> a just a wide range of tests across the board with no pattern or r- regiment and the fittest person will perform well at all of those tasks. Hey, Bruce Wayne. We were just talking about you last well, last episode. Where yeah. have you been? Where have you Ghost. been? Now, the thing with the Hopper model when we look at it from a test perspective is we don't encourage that from a training perspective. When, yeah, that should be that's a ability to have a result rather than you do this on a regular basis so that you're ready for something. Because that's when randomness becomes unvaried. Then it's a purely random. Mm-hmm. And, and that is the hopper model. Handle, yeah, it's you random. want to be able to handle random tasks as they approach you, but not just do random tasks thinking that like something that there'll be some sort of progression with that. Because random won't give you a progression in a towards a particular direction. It just gives you activities. Yeah. <clears throat> and now we look at the third standard, and this we're talking about in metabolic pathways, is you have three different distinct metabolic pathways. You guys can see the graph here on the right. The phosphagen dominates the highest powered activities that last less than 10 seconds. So say a max lift, a hundred meter dash, things like that. Uh, apparently sandbag doesn't fall in that category because it's taking athletes 30 to 40 seconds. If you're cool, Sager, <laughs> <Yeah>, right? <laughs> but it, it really is the same thing. Glycolytic <laughs> dominates moderate power activities. Those that last up to several minutes. And then the third pass is, uh, pathway is oxidative, which dominates low powered activities that last in excess of several minutes. So that's your pathways. Now we look at this is total fitness and that CrossFit promotes and develops requires competency and training in each of these three pathways. And in red, it says favoring one or two to the exclusion of others and not recognizing the impact of excessive training in the oxidative pathways are arguably the two most common faults in training. And so the oxidative is, like I said, the long one. So a lot of times people want to lift heavy, lift often, and do really short workouts. And nobody wants to go for a 5K run. You have to do all three. You have to. Um, that, you know, and there's a lot of people. So CrossFitters, I think generally speaking, a lot of CrossFitters are people that didn't like to do the running. I didn't want to go and run every other day. So CrossFitting is fun because I can get all my stuff done right away. And I'm out of the gym or, you know, out of whatever I need to do in, within like an hour's amount of time, whatever. Um, but I like the fact that like this is a great reminder that you should be hitting all of these things. 
Um, but you don't need to only do the long run. And right. it's funny when you have brand new CrossFitters that come in and they want to know, okay, I, you know, I'm new. So I had, I didn't get to go real hard on that workout. So how much running should I do on top of this? And it's like, well, none, because you don't need to go out and run. I'm not saying if you want to go run, that's cool, but you don't, you shouldn't need to go out and run. We, if we are programming correctly within our gym, we should be able to program longer events to where you're getting that, uh, that oxidative element, um, to the fitness level. I just think it's so crazy though, how you can work more often in the shorter realm and that high intensity spike that you get on the chart, you can pull out based on the time frame, but it will not go back. And we talked about that before mm. with the, uh, that, that marathon run that I did where I just could not get the power back. That power curve doesn't go back up the other direction. You can run long. That's great. But you're not training the intensity level to that. You, you can't train to get to that. You can only do that by going to that intensity. Absolutely. And I am suffering those consequences at the moment with my training. So I need to figure <laughs> I gotta there you go. turn around. <laughs> the one thing I have in blue is this. CrossFit advocates and develops it or <clears throat> The fitness that CrossFit advocates and develops is deliberately broad, general, and inclusive. Our specialty is not specializing. Combat, survival, many sports, and life reward this kind of fitness test. On average, punish the specialist, which is the whole point. All right, and so the next thing we look at is, this is a big one, is the sickness, wellness, fitness continuum. Sorry, I'm getting used to this PDF format. Now, this one, as we keep marching through the what is fitness, is this is one that I think really opens the eyes to a lot of people of the importance of fitness as it relates to health. Like, if you're unsure of why we advocate going to the gyms, even the middle of a pandemic, and staying fit, this is why... (laughs) I, I think that this was something that we, you know, I'm ta- I talk CrossFit as a whole, that we did not do enough due diligence on during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like what ended up happening is Sevon was the one that was talking about this the most, and he was getting dirty looks from everyone just because he's Sevon. Mm. Um, but this, this is, this is our protection. Now, no, yes. it doesn't keep you from everything, but it gives you a buffer, and that's what's. It is amazing how much it works. And I, I can pick so many different times that this personally just helped me and seen it happen. Um, I just wish that we would have doubled down on this mm-hmm. instead of like taking the soft road on this one uh, during that pandemic. Yeah. And I love how you said buffer. We're not saying this is like a force field that nothing's going right. to get through. Right? <laughs> life is life. There are things outside of our control at all times, at all times. I, you know, sitting here in the comfort of my own home and, you know, the the ground could open up and swallow my house, right? There's things that just happen. It's not foolproof, but as you said, it's a buffer. And when you guys are looking at this sickness wellness line, think of that as a line of just basically like where you're at health wise. That is your health meter. Sickness being the end, wellness being the middle, and what we define as fitness being the top. 
And that is your power bar, your life bar, so to speak, if we're playing video games. That's right. And we always want to be as much on the side of fitness as possible because when we do get sick, not if, when, that happens. We all get sick. And I'm talking like cold, flu, monkey pox, like whatever. Shit's going to happen. You want to be on as far as the fitness side as you can to buffer whatever that sickness could be, whether it's not even sickness. It could be an injury. It could be a car accident. It could be a torn ACL. It could just, like I said, life is part of that. And so when we look at this, we've observed that nearly every measurable value of health can be placed on a continuum that ranges from sickness, wellness, to fitness. Now, some of the measures that they use, blood pressure, body fat percentage, bone density, triglycerides, when you think about cholesterol, good and bad, flexibility, muscle mass. There's a whole list of things that are absolutely and definitively measurable. And you want all of those to be in the green. And as you get in the green, you move from the red to the yellow to the blue. And if you live your life in the blue, you are going to have a great, like you said, Bill, buffer. Now, I have this in blue because this was 20 years ago. Now, mental health is a huge topic for a lot of people, especially during and after the pandemic. And 20 years ago, it says, though tougher to measure, we would even add mental health to this observation. And I underline depression is clearly mitigated by proper diet and exercise and general fitness. This was 20 years ago, before it was ever anything anybody really talked about. Yeah. 20 years ago. And it's crazy that, I mean, you know, we, we say buffer, we talk about, you know, protection, all those things is you, you can't go from fit straight to sick. You, there, ha, there is a transition through wellness first, then sickness. So granted, it can be short, mm-hmm. but even if you're talking a, you know, I think a lot of this is, is more easy to talk about, you know, inflammatory type diseases or um, not trauma type diseases or trauma type issues. But I mean, I remember, remember when Miranda was at the games was back in Carson, she got in the car accident. Yes. Um, she, you know, neck was hurt, all that kind of stuff went through the games, all that. And then I know she was at a level one, level got one in a car accident, level one. showed up at the games at the games. The doctor calls her and says, Hey, you need to not move <laughs> because your neck is broken, broken. And she's like, what the hell are you talking about? So they had to basically, at that point, not let her move anymore. And she's running around doing interviews mm-hmm. and everything. And, you know, went through, got her neck all done, all taken care of, all that kind of stuff. She ended up fine. But what the doctor said was because of your, the musculature you had around your neck and the traps and the shoulders and the upper girdle, that protected your neck and then stabilized your neck not to have anything worse go down. Now, granted, you know, there's going to be a little bit of luck in there and all that kind of stuff. But the fact that she had that protection is massive, massive. Every single person that I know, and you talk about more like on the sickness side, every single person that I know that has, that that, that does CrossFit or has some sort of level of, of fitness that got COVID, it didn't affect them nearly, if hardly, hardly at all compared to the people that did not have that level of protection. Mm-hmm. I got COVID. Yeah. I mean, I've, I felt like crap for a day, maybe day and a half. 
And I, right. I mean, and I'm not saying I'm a super or anything. I'm just saying that yeah, extenuating the circumstances hel- the hel- aside, the healthier you are, mm-hmm. the more fit you are under our definitions of fitness. And we're, you know, and that that's, that goes with everything, nutrition and everything. Um, the more of a buffer you have, and I'll take any buffer I can get over having to use medication as my buffer. Because when we talk wellness, mm-hmm. that is the pass fail line. That doesn't mean that you were, that doesn't mean that you are protected. It means you're just above the, oh shit line. Yeah. So we've got to remember where that is. Yeah, saying is I had it for three months and I was in the best shape of my life before it. Yes, and that's what we're talking about. If you're in blue, like you're you're sitting at ninety nine percent, look at sickness as zero, also known as death, and fitness being ninety nine. Thank God you're sitting at ninety when anything like this happens. The problem is, yeah. and what we're saying is that if you're sitting there in the red, you're sitting there at twenty or thirty percent. And then something like this happens, that's where the problem really lies. And that's we're not talking specifically just like COVID. We're talking about anything. 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 Yeah. If you're sitting in the red and you get the flu, chances are not good. If you're sitting in the red and God forbid, say you get cancer or something like that, your body is not prepared to fight something like that. If it is something you can recover from. If you're sitting in the red, you are have the potential to getting things like type two diabetes, hypertension blood pressure, heart disease. If you're sitting in the red and these things happen to you or you already have them and say you get in a car accident or you you get some type of virus, like that's where the problem lies. And what we're saying is the more you can get into the yellow and the blue, you will be much more physically prepared from a health perspective because of your fitness routine and nutrition to buffer against anything that life can throw at you. Those old shirts are harder, uh, stronger people are harder to kill. All joking aside and how clever that is, it's the freaking truth. 100%. And what's even better is, I mean, any, any workout person could basically use this idea, this claim. But CrossFit is the only one that said, okay, what's on the other end of that is fitness. And you can't have fitness over there if you don't have a definition for it. Mm-hmm. And that's what Cross, that's what Glassman did with, you know, with, with his methodology with CrossFit is he was able to design that chart, that curve, with the goal being fitness. Not, because now you have a definition of that, so you have a way to get there. If you don't know how to get there, then this chart means nothing. Right. I mean, yeah, it makes sense that if you're, if you work out, then I guess you should be, it makes sense that you should be healthier and stronger to kill and all this other kind of stuff. But this right here, now you can graphically show it with definitions to get there. So, I mean, he, he was able to complete that chart. Mm -hmm. The big thing here too, that I really like that Greg had is that done right. Fitness provides a great margin of protection against the ravages of time and disease. As you said, fitness is and should be super wellness or preventative medicine, as John was saying. A fitness regime that doesn't support health is not CrossFit. And that's what some of these things here are for, is that there are plenty of fitness routines or regimens in the world that do not align with health. 
But the way CrossFit is, exercising three to five times a week with just the simple prescription of nutrition of eat meats, vegetables, nuts, seeds, little starch, some fruit, no sugar. That supports health. Whereas, say, a lot of endurance training, their diet routine to keep up with that training isn't conducive to a long, healthy lifestyle, especially like super endurance, like specified endurance. Usually high refined carbohydrates are a major part of what that is. Little fat intake, very little protein. Like there are a lot of different routines, fitness routines that do not actively work hand in hand with health like CrossFit does. No, most of the ones that are out there now are for, since especially with the, the way our society is, is it's, they want short-term, quick results, flash of the pan. I, I need to get, I'm getting married on this day. I need to look good on that day. Right. I don't give a shit what happens after that because that's usually kind of what happens. Mm -hmm. So it's an aesthetic based. I just want to get to whatever. I want to see a certain number on a scale. None of those things have to do with health. None of those things are going to keep you healthy. It's I want to look a certain way. That's all. It is a very slim, very narrow view of doing activity to get to that goal. The goal is not fitness. The goal is not longevity. The goal is not health. The goal isn't protection from sickness. The goal isn't any of that. It's I want to look thinner. I want to look better in a bathing suit, which are important things. I get it. But it's better to have that be the byproduct of a health program rather than that's all it is. That's the one piece and none of it, you, you get nothing else out of it. Mm -hmm. Some examples of this, uh, a former body, bodybuilding buddy had an accident where a tractor basically rolled on top of him and the doctor said his muscle mass saved his life. Yeah. 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 But do you think about like strong man and all those other things like those training programs do not support a healthy lifestyle. Look at those guys. The, the amount of stress that their system is under, like their heart. <laughs> And, uh, and again, like every, well, I want to talk about the, this. Sorry, the, Bill. The outside, the outside people, the, the, um, the outliers of, of whatever position that we're talking about. The super specialists. Again, it's not saying that they are bad at no. all. And that's what we, I think people have to remember that. Like you can't, a fringe athlete is the best athlete at that one particular activity in the world. That is not to say that they don't have hard work, that they don't have grit, that they don't have determination. They don't have any of that. That's not the case. What we're saying is that under our definition of fitness and health protection, mm -hmm. that's our goal. Our goal is not to be the biggest bodybuilder, to be the fastest runner, to be the strongest lifter. It's to be decent at all of those things and have a good nutritional background so that when the world comes at me, I can handle it and I can still do all the fun stuff I want to do. Mm -hmm. This thing that Eric brought up, and this is, we see this a lot when we talk about fitness in a hundred words is the top level crossfit athletes don't even have the best diets. We're not talking about the games athletes at all. We're would talking can, about, would you consider that, would you consider them a fringe athlete? I would. I would consider would you, CrossFit would games brand, athletes. That's brand new in our, that's That's a new, that's a new idea in our newish idea in our realm. I would call and them that's a big, that's a big split. Sport. Methodology and sport cool. Exactly. Sport specific, sport specific specialists that they need to do certain training, certain nutritional diet plans to support the sport at right. which they are doing. And yes, I would consider games athletes specialists in the sport at which they are training for. This is 
health and fitness. This is not a discussion on the CrossFit Games. So lifestyle. Lifestyle. All right. As we look down here, our fitness being CrossFit, and we're looking at the implementation of it, comes through molding men and women that are, are equal parts gymnasts, Olympic weightlifter, and multimodal sprinter or sprint athlete. Metabolic conditioner, cardio, we look at those types of forms as we see that as we go through a lot of different things here, right? How we define cardio. And what we look at is the 10 general physical skills, right? We have a lot of stuff highlighted over here, but the 10 general physical skills was one of those first things we looked at. Cardiovascular endurance is the ability for the body systems to gather, process, and deliver oxygen. That is one of the skills. Stamina. The ability of body systems to process, deliver, store, and utilize energy. Strength, the ability of a muscular unit or combination of muscular units to apply force. Flexibility, the ability to maximize the range of motion at any given joint. Power, the ability of a muscular unit or combination of muscular units to apply maximum force in minimum time. That's that definition between strength and power. The ability to, and speed, the ability to minimize the time cycle of repeated movements. Seven, coordination, the ability to combine several distinct movement patterns into a singular distinct movement. Agility, the ability to minimize transition time from one movement pattern to the other. Nine, Balance, the ability to control the placement of body's center of gravity in relation to its support base. And then 10, accuracy is the ability to control movement in any given direction or at any given intensity. And when you look at those 10 and those definitions, if you are chasing proficiency in just those words, like you are going to make yourself a well-rounded, dangerous human being. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of physical activity. And the the side benefits that come from that pursuit is really what the whole purpose of this program is. Um, you remember the movie uh, 300? Yes. Obviously. That's what got me into CrossFit um, almost. I mean, basically. Really? Well, it yeah. was a right in that beginning time. I would yeah. say that that was uh, the first movie that was where the actors used that training to look and what i thought was great was they used them to uh they use that training to design warrior looking spartans yeah not bodybuilders but they wanted them to look like warriors and so if you have a a warrior uh, uh that is able to do all of these things they can run fast they can run far they can jump high they can lift heavy they can keep going they're they're flexible they they're mobile they can move around they are they're explosive they have all of those things they're going to have a particular look and what was greatest i think about that movie was all of those actors looked different mm-hmm. but they all looked capable of doing everything right they found their and natural body style they're na- and dude i think to me, that's one of the greatest things in CrossFit is not, I and mean, you go to the gym, everybody looks the same. Everyone's trying <laughs> right. to look a certain way. The shoulders look a certain way. The chest look a certain way. Everything looks the same. But you come to a CrossFit gym, and it, I wouldn't say that everyone looks the same. They look their most badass way. Tall and lean, short and stocky. I mean, long arms, short legs, long legs, short, whatever the situation. 
I think that, that it really makes them look that way. And so what ended up happening out of that was, again, the byproduct is the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And the aesthetic is Oh, uh, yes. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. you're chasing, and this is what we always talk about. You chase performance, not aesthetics. The aesthetics will happen. If you chase aesthetics, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting the performance mm-hmm. or the health benefits or anything like that. You chase performance, you're going to have all of these other things. That's why we've, you know, we take the mirrors out and we take the scales out and we, all we need are barbells and weights. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, pull up Reagan, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. The garage gym stuff. Yeah, the garage gym um, stuff. But, but that gets you all of the benefits and all of the look without having to chase the benefits and the look. Mm-hmm. You're just chasing the workouts. Yep. And like what Rosh said here is like, I think you can, you know, his ideal basically benchmark times and things. 405 back squat, six minute mile, deadlift two and a half times your body weight, bench one. Like all these things, it's funny, it's like every CrossFitter can do this. Every single one. Yeah. Like games athlete, I'll say that. When you talk about peak performance as far as what's possible, every games athlete can do this. And uh, yeah. what's the one we said all the time, which Adam Klink did? 500 pound back squat, sub five minute mile. And yeah. what did he look like? He looked no different. Like he was doing peak CrossFit training to do that. Yep. And that was the whole point. All right. As you scroll down here, there's a couple things as far as aerobic, anaerobic conditioning. We talked about a bit about that in the foundations article that we first read, but in red here, he says athletes engaged in sports or training where there is a preponderance of the training load is spent in aerobic efforts. Witness decreases in muscle mass, strength, speed, and power. Meaning if the predominant factor of your training is long aerobic efforts, you have a decrease in muscle mass, strength, speed, and power. Aerobic activity has a pronounced tendency to decrease anaerobic activity, which is wild to think that if you train more aerobically, 20 plus minutes at a low intensity, it has a tendency to decrease your anaerobic capacity. Whereas anaerobic training also have benefits for cardiovascular function and decreased body fat. And anaerobic exercise is superior to aerobic exercise for fat loss. Amazing. Because what do you see? is like, okay, I went to the gym. I did my chest and shoulders. And I'm going to sit on the treadmill for 45 minutes to work on my cardio and burn some fat. <laughs> I'm going to get in that orange zone. <coughs> that, that, that hypothesis. That, oh, yeah, that <laughs> yellow hypothesis. <laughs> but here, anaerobic exercise is superior to aerobic exercise for fat loss, as well as decreased body fat and muscle mass. Anaerobic activity, however, is unique in its capacity to dramatically improve power, strength, speed, and muscle mass. Anaerobic conditioning will not adversely affect aerobic capacity. And it is used as a very high level of aerobic fitness without muscle wasting. The method by which we use anaerobic efforts to develop aerobic conditioning is in interval training. So if you want to increase your aerobic capacity, you can do that with anaerobic training, specifically using interval training. Huh. Imagine that. Mm. Mm. I love that. Mm. And when I read that, it hurt so bad because I have been doing the complete opposite this entire year. 
Yeah, I know you have been. <laughs> I was like, man. <laughs> and really, like, until we started doing this, I'm, I'm not even kidding. I thought I was like, you know, I was like, I was trying to do 30 minutes a day. I've fallen off on that of just cardio. And if I, I couldn't get to the gym, I was like, well, I can still do 30 minutes on the rower. I'll go for a 30-minute jog. And then that turned into... I'm not really feeling motivated to go tear it up in the gym, but I'll still be get a good workout in and go for a run. And after we've been going through this, I'm like, no wonder I feel like I have fallen off a cliff physically in the gym. Yeah. And this is just a very humbling experience going through these and realizing (laughs) for nine months, I have totally (laughs) fucked this whole thing up so bad. (laughs) But it's a great, okay. I, as a coach though, it, I mean, it's always easy to talk, you know, these great phrases and all the data. Yeah, I read this really when you know it because you did it and you feel it. You're like, oh, shit. OK, I get it. I get it. I feel it. I had the same thing. Um, there was a time uh, when I was going through my divorce. This is way back when. And I was at the fire station. I mean, I work out all the time, but just wasn't really feeling into it. Kind of kind of on the you know, the grief diet for a while, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, beer and Oreos. All of us, yeah, I got it. You know, we'd be at the station and in our workout, quote unquote workout was, we would go and play, um, racquetball. Ah, well, yes. Racquetball, you know, it's a great activity, 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 but I would do this and we'd be playing all the time and you'd be in there, you'd sweating and you're breathing hard and like, Oh man, getting this great workout. Well, we went and did, um, there's a big uh, building down in LA that a bunch of the firefighters would go down to. And it was a stair climb run and we would do it oh, in, like full turnout on our bottle and all that stuff. And I went to do it one year, uh, this one year. And I was like, Oh, you know, I should be okay. I should be able to hang in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, cause we've been, pl- I mean, I, I'm playing racquetball time. We'll play for, you know, a, it will work out that really hard. And I'd still lift on the other days every once in a while, dude, I got my ass handed to me. <laughs> Because like an activity is an activity, right? It's not pushing the limit and, you know, do the, doing those long, slow duration things. You do not have the strength. You do not have the explosiveness. You do not have the power. Mm-hmm. And what do ultra runners and marathoners and long distance runners look like? They all are very thin because their body is going to morph them into what's the most efficient equilibrium state that they can be in and why would your body if you're going to do all these long slow duration things want to carry 30 pounds extra of muscle mass that you don't need if all you do is run you have no need for these big shoulders and big chest and big arms and you don't need that so it 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 literally your body will slim that shit right off and then you're just some skinny guy (laughs) it's funny you mentioned that because right here in the yellow we strongly recommend that you attend a track meet of nationally or internationally competitive athletes and look at the physique of the athletes competing in the one, two, 400 versus the eight in the mile. Yeah. And they, they yeah. look like different humans, Yeah, especially back in the day. Now it's getting a bit more blended, but back in the day. And so we talk particularly about interval training. It says the key to developing the cardiovascular system without an unacceptable loss of strength, speed, and power is interval training. And they do that. They do that now. I mean, what do you think that uh, 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 the long-distance athletes now, 
it isn't just about how long are you running. They have you do interval setups. When Chris Henshaw is talking his his you know his aerobic capacity, mm-hmm. it's you're doing. 400 meter repeats you're doing 800 meter repeats you're doing mile repeats and these are athletes that are doing marathons it's not just like well i guess we're doing the 20 mile run today you know it's it's on that setup so he utilized that's why his athletes are doing so well Mm -hmm. is because of that and this was even remember when they had um uh crossfit endurance yep when that was a thing it was okay you're a triathlete you're an iron man you're a a cyclist, you're a runner, you mm-hmm. know, you know, half marathon plus. Okay, you should be doing these interval style runs plus your CrossFit so that you stay strong. Right. And I think you know, you made the point about a lot of the athletes now. You, it, the, there's more of a blend between your sprinters and your your distance athletes. Mm-hmm. I think it's because of that because now everyone uh, is realizing yeah. I don't want to have just beat down injuries that most runners will get when they just do long slow duration. They're saving their bodies by g- keeping them strong, doing interval, keeping the intensity up, and then also doing weight training to keep the strength up and to keep the integrity of the bones and muscles up as they go through these these uh, longer events to be able to have the capacity for that longer event. Yeah. Or the stability for that. So we do interval training a bit. You know, it's funny is you can have dedicated interval training, but if when you look at, say, a CrossFit workout for most people that's 10 to 15 minutes, you have natural intervals <laughs> oh, yeah, within that. In. <laughs> it's just, it's legit called taking a break. <laughs> like, <laughs> like when you're getting chalk, yeah, you're yeah, doing an interval. You're style. doing an interval. <laughs> like that's what some people don't understand. It's like, oh, so every workout I do has to be f- uh, 10 sets, one every three minutes of this. I'm like, no, every once in a while. Yeah, sure. It's a fun interval or, or any type of like work to rest ratio. But technically, when you do a CrossFit workout and you take substantial breaks anywhere between 20 to 30 seconds, you are legitimately doing interval training. (laughs) It's built into the workout most of the time. (laughs) Uh, All right. So it says the bulk of your metabolic training should be interval training, which is exactly what we're talking about there. Uh, One example, and I think this is so cool. So we're going to start. There's some like cool lessons in here that we're going to give people. They mentioned the Tabata interval. So Tabata being 20 seconds of work followed by 10 seconds of rest, predominantly done for eight sets. And it's a four-minute routine. I think what some people don't know is Dr. Izumi Tabata published research that demonstrated that this interval protocol produced remarkable increases in both anaerobic and aerobic capacity. His name is Izumi Tabata. Protocol is named after this dude. And I think some people are like, where'd Tabata come from? This guy. That's where it came this from. This guy. Yeah. Pretty cool. And Same thing with the burpee, actually. Those, I mean, well, not him. Technic- a guy. Right. Well, technically, when you do a Tabata, mm-hmm. the object, it's not just about time frame, 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off. It's about maximum output in that 20 seconds. Right. That's right. what they were looking at when they did the, the, I, I, I remember when I read this article and I was looking at all this, I went and looked at it, uh, Tabata's stuff, mm-hmm. not Tabata, but Dr. Tabata's stuff and the, the, um, experiments he was doing, he was put, he'd put a rat in, uh, a, a, a bucket of water mm. and would let one just hang in there a long time for like the same amount of time. I think it was like a four minute setup. The other one he'd put in for 20 seconds, take out for 10. Put back in for 20 seconds, take out for 10. 
put back in for 20 seconds, take out for 10. And that one was working harder because he didn't know if he was going to try to figure it out. Oh, the yeah. one that was in there for a long time would slow down and realize there's a little bit of buoyancy there. He didn't have to struggle so hard. And if he's going to be there a long time, he better mellow himself out and saw the physical, uh, physiological changes in both of them. And the one that was doing the in and out, the, the Tabata setup, they're the ones that had the metabolism that was continually to cook and burn calories throughout the day, huh. even though it was only four minutes. And then the muscle, the, uh, the muscle work that was done, that was different versus the long, slow duration. There's, I mean, so many different things, Yeah. but again, it, the magic quote unquote magic is the intensity element of that for that interval. Yes. Not just, I'm sitting here for 20 seconds, but I only <laughs> did one rep and I'm resting for 15 seconds of my 20 seconds of work time. Mm-hmm. So. And I, I, that's huge. That is a huge, and I'm so glad you said that because I think some people is like, oh, I just move for 20 seconds and then I rest for 10 seconds. And yeah, that's your Tabata workout of your 15 minute AMRAP of what, you know, like that you were doing. That's, that's an <laughs> interval thing. Right. But Tabata, when you say it's only eight sets, it's only going to take four minutes. Yes. Your 20 seconds is you're being set on fire. That's the intensity that you should be attacking those 20 seconds with. Or other, uh, elsewise, it's not, it's not the same thing. Yeah. You're missing yeah, then the point. You're just, then you're just doing a short four-minute workout. Right. You're just <laughs> taking chalk bucket breaks in the middle of Fran. That's what you're doing, which <laughs> shouldn't be a thing. Um, as you scroll down through here, we talked about interval training. Uh, with interval training, we get all of the cardiovascular benefit of endurance work without, again, the attendant loss of strength, speed, and power. We keep hammering that down. Let's scroll down to gymnastics. The big thing we have here is developing that gymnastics develop extraordinary strength in the upper body and trunk, flexibility, coordination, balance, and accuracy. And it says here that the traditional gymnast has no peer in terms of the development of these skills. And he's right. You look at male gymnasts and what they're capable of and female gymnasts and what they're capable of, and no one can do what they can do, not even close. And there is no better example of how far we are away from that than what was programmed in the 2022 CrossFit Games. And that was a big part of Boz's contention is that we have moved very close to Olympic weightlifters as far as our development and capacity versus our body weight. We have moved much closer to those long aerobic endeavors. We can do almost anything, no matter the time frame. We are so far away from the elite gymnasts in, in their arena. And that's exactly what this is talking about. Yeah, totally. Well, and then look at, the, look at all of the gymnasts that we've had uh, in the CrossFit Games, like the, the, the ones that have come from a gymnastic background uh, on the women's side and on the men's side. Yep. And the things that they're able to do. Like, I still, we never think of... Um, Oh, man, Cody Anderson. Cody Anderson. Always. Pat Vellner. Never, you look at him, you don't think he should be lifting the weights that he should be doing. Pat Vellner is one of the strongest CrossFitters out there. And yet you don't think of him as being one of the strongest CrossFitters out there. You think of him being the gymnast. But he's one of the strongest CrossFitters because of his gymnastic background. The The way that that, that, that skill and that ability and that, that foundation translates is unreal. BKG? Unreal. Annie oh Thor's gosh, daughter, yeah. Katrin David's daughter. I mean, like, look at all these ex-gymnasts. Ariel Lowen. Like, go down the list. Like, the, the so benefit many. you get. And that's the thing is, like, and we'll get to. We're, we're getting to the development of the athlete and seeing where that falls. But 
Uh, that was a big thing in blue. And as we get down to these um, gymnastic movements, I really, really love what we're about to go through. So starting place. It says starting place for gymnastics competency. Not dominance, just being competent. Pull-ups, push-ups, dips, and rope climbs. And then in the blue, they have benchmark reps. For pull-ups, 20, 25, 30, strict. Mm-hmm. Strict. For push-ups, 50 in a row, 75 in a row, 100. The baseline competency benchmark is 50 effing push-ups in a row. <laughs> There's not there's not one police, fire, military that has that is the number, I don't think. The, I think it's the maxed lowest. in like two minutes. And yeah, but and I that's in a two-minute time frame, not unbroken. Yeah. Which is crazy. Uh, for dips, they have 20, 30, 40, 50 in a row. For rope climbs, one, two, three, four, five in a row, but consecutive trips up the rope without any use of the legs or feet. Those are your competent baseline benchmark tests, which I want people to listen to and write down all of these benchmark things that Greg is throwing out for people. Because when was the last time you sat back and you go, I'm going to set a rep range for my max strict pull-ups. Everybody wants to know what their max and broken butterfly pull-ups are. Or handstand push-ups versus regular push-ups. Or, you know, anything in here as a baseline, which, like, got me so fired up reading these. You want to know what would be a sick workout? Uh, remember the, uh, the muscle-up biathlon? Yes. Do the same thing, but legless rope climb biathlon. Oh, my God. Where you can't you you can't touch the ground. So you got to go above a line and below a line. Yeah, like 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 five four three two one or something like that. And if you miss, you have to do your penalty lap, mm-hmm. and then you have to come back and start that set over again. Like the whole set. The whole set. Oh, so you can't like like in the muscle biathlon, you just picked up where you left off. I like that. Yeah. No, but I, I like this. I mean, you still have the 400 in there. Yeah, so you yeah. still have the rest. There's there's that time. Okay, so same concept, this unique format. Five, four, three, yeah. two, one. I mean, you just said you should be able to do legless rope climbs without touching. Un- yeah. Consecutive. Five, four, three, two. Or unbroken. One, two, three, four, five. We'll go five, four, three, two, one. Unbroken. And, oh, and a penalty lap. But you have to come back and do the whole set. Gotta so do if you do five, here. you do, uh, you know what, a lap, make it 400. Yeah. So yep. 400 meter run, five, 400 meter run, four, 403. But every penalty, like every time you break, you have to like, do like a, like a 200, like that 200, meta, that 200 meter. Yeah. Shit, make run. it a 400 just so they have to run longer and hopefully they can recover. <laughs> but like, so, okay, so say I do five in a row, I go for my run, I come back in, I get to three and a half, fail. I have to wait, do my run, but I still have to do four. Yeah. Ooh. I love it. Yeah. That'd be cool. I love it. There you go, Boz. There you go, Boz. As we get down here, they say 15 pull-ups and dips each in its time to start. And then it's if you get 15 pull-ups and dips, we'll say ring dips, then it's time to work the muscle up. So 
sometimes like, oh, if you've got one pull-up and you've got one ring dip, you can do a muscle-up. I'm like, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Should you do a muscle-up is probably a better question. And here it says 15 in a row, 15 in a row, then and only then should you start working the muscle up, which I love. I love. You don't belong in the rings yet. I know you want to, but show me how bad you really want to be up there. Do these things first. Work the basics. Become competent at best. And the thing I love he put here is a muscle up, when we said this last time in the foundations, You'll be able to surmount any object on which you can get a finger hold. And it says, if you can touch it, you can get up on it. <laughs> which I think is cool. Is uh, cool. And then he goes into handstands. A large measure of balance and accuracy can be developed through mastering the handstand. And he says, here's where you start. Headstand on the ground against the wall. Then you advance to handstand against the wall. And then you advance to handstand to a short parallel bar or parallettes against the wall. And once you can do that, then you can start doing those without the benefit of the wall. So freestanding. But I would say you go back to the beginning. Can you freestand on your head without the wall? Handstand, parallette. After you can hold a handstand for several minutes without benefit of the wall, then you go to pirouettes. I just, lo I love this timeline, dude. I know. It's crazy. Pirouettes, benchmark, turn 90 degrees, turn 180, turn 270, turn 360, which we had one of those at the games this year. Mm -hmm. And then he goes 450, 546, 37, 20. So your benchmarks are, can I get to 90 without falling? And then all the way up to two pirouettes in a row. It says walking on your hands is another fantastic tool for the developing both handstand and the handstand and balance and accuracy. And here's his goal. You want to be able to walk a hundred yards in the handstand never, without falling. Never seen that before. Never. As a race <laughs> at the CrossFit games twice. <laughs> you want to be able to not just walk without falling. Yards, people, that's the length of a football field. Not the length of the regional competition floor, which was 120 feet. We're talking three times that without coming down. Oh, who was able to do that? I don't know. Katrin Davis' daughter who won the CrossFit Games two years in a row. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> Danielle. Daniel Brandon. Carrie Pierce. Yeah. Just Matt Fraser. Matt Fraser, who came down just to make sure he knew where he was at. <laughs> Rich Froning, who won the handstand walk in 2011 skills test unbroken, that he nearly went 100 feet. I think it was right 70 yards. And behind him was Annie Thorosauter, who beat him, who yeah. ran out of track. That's why she stopped. Just throwing it out there. Uh, trunk flexion. We have, oh, sorry, I missed the press to handstand. Oh, my God. The hierarchy of difficulty, bent arm, bent body. So if you guys, I think Boz put this on his Instagram page. I actually want to see if I can find this. Did you see this? Uh, he put on two different versions. So if you go, I think he had a few Palomas. Oh, of him, of him doing the press yeah. handstand? He had a, yeah. a few drinky drinks. Oh, I think it was just in his stories. Damn it. They were yeah. good. 
But uh, he showed the difference between a bent arm press out from press to handstand and a straight arm, straight leg press to handstand. And the hierarchy here is bent arm, bent body, bent leg, straight arm, bent leg, straight arm, bent body, straight leg, and then like straight everything. And we've seen Boz do that too. So that's that's your order of operation. Uh, trunk flexion specifically to the basic sit-up and the L hold. That's it. We've And you've mentioned this before too. This is a huge thing for Greg. Work, huge. Work towards a three-minute hold as benchmark increments of 30, 60, 90 seconds, two minutes, two and a half minutes, and three minutes. And L sit for three that? minutes. All your ab work will be silly easy. When he, uh, so he showed up at my gym one time, just randomly showed up all the way out here in California at my place and walks in and we're talking. I'm like, what are you doing here? Blah, blah, blah. And he was like, you know, after the, the basic stuff, he's like, Eddie, you want to, you want to do, want me to have you guys do a workout? I'm like, yeah, I told you it'd be awesome. So he starts drawing up some L sits and he's like, how long is your L sit? And I'm like, oh, I don't know, 35, 45 seconds, maybe. And he's like, oh, we need to get that to three minutes. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Three like, that was the first minutes. comp. Greg Glassman comes to my place. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Get out of like, here, you crazy like, old man. Blurted out. I'm like, what? Three minutes. But it's crazy that he, like, that is, that that's, that isn't, like, he thinks that way, that mm-hmm. you should be able to do that. And when you look at, when I look at all of the other standards, you know, the, the competency standards that he has in here, I'm looking at those other ones and I'm like, okay, those make sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. So why wouldn't this one also make sense? Right. So to think that that's even a possibility, like I can't even fathom that. Yep. Can't even fathom that idea. No, but there it is. And, yeah. and the benefits of that, we're like, we're not just talking like core. Like if you can hold a three minute L sit, my legs are too long, I think. <laughs> right, yeah, that's, that's all it is. I have, that's, I, have, I have heavy shoes and heavy socks, and <laughs> yeah. I don't wear socks. But again, we talked about the skills test in 2011. It was a max L-sit hold for time. Yep. Who won that? Was it Kalipa and Clever? Uh, I don't know. Did Jason win that one? I remember uh, yeah. the video of him, his legs I all I think shaking. he did. And that was like the funny part. We're like, who? He, he did what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Short uh, legs. They, they have some part about here in flexibility and the point they were trying to make here is that through all of this training and practice, the flexibility will take care of itself. Like you can't do an L sit without the matching flexibility to do these things. So the amount of practice you'll do will actually do a lot of that. But one thing here to dispel is a lot of times you hear static stretching is a bad warm up and you shouldn't do it. And that is miscategorized static stretching is wonderful to do in your warm-up to increase flexibility and range of motion throughout the joint. That is necessary. Stretching statically is not an effective warm-up. So it's like, hey, Bill, touch your toes and then go sprint 100 meters as fast as you can. That is not what we're saying. And that's where everybody gets the phrase wrong is they have this, they there's this negative connotation. This is like squatting below parallel 20, 30 years ago. Oh, it's bad for your knees. Actually, it's great for your knees. The, the, the thing of like you shouldn't static stretch f- as a, as a warm-up is taken completely out of context. Static stretching yeah. is great for mobility and flexibility. It's imperative for it. And you should do that in a warm-up. 
but you shouldn't only do a static stretch as a warm-up. It's not an effective warm-up, but it's an imperative tool to use in your warm-up. Yeah, we'll do, I, I just call it just for namesake, I guess we call it joint mobility when we start here at the gym. So we'll go down through the body and we hit the hips and we hit the hamstrings and we hit the squats and we hit the lats and just kind of, you know, stretching those basic things, kind of like Samson type stretches and the lizard pose and the, like those kind of things just to get some, uh, honestly, just to kind of wake those joints and those muscles up a little bit. But our warm up, that's not our warm up. Our warm-up is actually dynamic movement of the of actual movements of squats, of pulling, of pressing, of whatever into whatever it is that we're going to be doing. Then we do our progressionary work on the movements that we're going to be doing. So there's a lot of building to the things that we're going to actually be doing before I say, okay, now have at it full speed or full weight or whatever. So the closeout gymnastics, this thing in red is huge. We're like, oh, nobody wants to work on it, all this other stuff. Every workout should contain regular gymnastics slash calisthenic movements that you've mastered and other elements under development. Under development, mean you're not there yet, but you got to do the things that you're not good at to get better at them. And in red, much of the rudiments of gymnastics come only from the great effort and frustration. Yes, it's really frustrating to not have a pull-up or a strict pull-up, but it doesn't mean we just default to kipping because we can sneak around that. Or push-ups, legit ones. Keep your hips and thighs off the ground as you do this. They're so frustrating for people because they seem so simple. And then they are, but that's when we say it's simple, not easy. And we see that, especially in L-sit training. It's so basic. The understanding of what you're asking me to do is so simple However, the, to accomplish the task is so far from easy. And the fact that it seems so simple but isn't is what really deters a lot of people from spending time working on them. I think you know how in CrossFit we have the, it's supposed to be the best hour of your day. Mm-hmm. And they let that frustration make it not be the best hour of the day. They just want oh, to PR and yeah, do it all yeah. good on all the things that they're really good in. Um, I think that that's the ego part where it's like we have to let that go. So if we are not getting a particular movement, that doesn't mean that we had a worthless workout that day. That doesn't mean that that day was terrible and that we suck and that it sucks and that everything is shitty. Mm-hmm. It means that we are actively trying to get ourselves to be better. And every day we're in there that we are pushing ourselves to get better should be a positive outlook on the day. Like we are getting better. It's not going to be a hundred percent jump in one day. We're talking 8% or half of a percent better every single day as we go. And I know that a lot of people don't like to do it. It's really funny when you have people that before may have been in the gym for two hours at a time. But if they're at the gym for an hour now, they don't have time to do an eight-minute EMOM of some skill work or some capacity work on a movement that they aren't very good in, trying to do toes-to-bar or pull-ups or handstand push-ups mm-hmm. or push-ups or double-unders or whatever. It doesn't take that long to add it in. If you do it every day, it doesn't need to be that long. Yep. And I think where people get upset, it's like, okay, I spent a whole class trying to do this. Like, it's not going to happen. <laughs> you can spend an hour <laughs> on this L-sit. You're going to last 15 seconds, and then it's over. Yep. 
right? And so, like you said, little things, little things. All right, let's move to weightlifting. I love this photo because this is what every girl thinks is going to happen when they do their first back squat in CrossFit. <laughs> if I put those big rubber weights on, like the 10 pound ones, I'm going to look like that, right? But no. I don't want to get bulky. It's like, do you understand how much weight training and food you need to eat to bulk <laughs> up? <laughs> oh. <laughs> So the thing I like here is weightlifting, one word, as opposed to weight lifting, two words, or weight training. We're talking weightlifting in the sense of Olympic sport, Olympic weightlifting, clean and jerk and snatch. Develops, especially in the hips, speed and power like no other training modality. It requires substantial flexibility. Olympic weightlifters are as flexible as any other athletes, which is true. And modern competency in Olympic lifts confers added prowess to any sport. And so when he says, in quote, like parentheses, specifically in the hips, when you talk about transferability of training to sport, Olympic weightlifting is the best Thing to do that because a lot of sports all involves hip dominant movement speed and agility and it comes no better than from olympic weightlifting which no one likes to do because it's difficult and dangerous difficult dangerous and it means that you have to be a good enough coach to be able to coach this stuff so you have to know how to do it to teach it so that people can get it because guess what it is okay for a grandparent to do the snatch or to do clean and jerks it isn't an age limit that all of a sudden snatch isn't needed anymore change the weight you don't change the type of event you change the intensity of the event the weight of the event or the activity the the lift whatever so you know you talk about explosive core to extremity movements functional movements for independent living you have to do these at some level, at some level. So as we go down here, basic lifts, you look at the deadlift, clean, squat, and jerk. Serious weight training program serves the core of your resistance training throughout your life. These movements elicit a profound neuroendocrine response, which you talked about in the Foundations article, where they alter you hormonally and neurologically, meaning they unlock a lot of these hormones that can help muscle growth, fat burning, even your brain that have a massive impact on those. These movements are essential to athletic development. On the contrary, curls, leg raises, extensions, flies, other bodybuilding movements have no place in serious, serious strength and conditioning programs. We're not saying if you want to become a bodybuilder, don't do these things. We're not saying if you want to become a, like a physique model or whatever, like don't do these things. We're saying strength and conditioning. These have no place in that format. They are no functional analog from a bicep curl to everyday life, as opposed to a deadlift, clean, squat, and jerk, which are functional and multi-joint movements. Meaning a hang power clean is going to have much more transferability to outside of your gym than an isolated preacher curl machine. That's the concept that we're speaking to. Think about the reason why 
the bodybuilder does that. They don't use that so that they're more functional in the day or so that they can do more things or they can compete in a particular activity other than getting on stage to pose, getting on stage to flex statically for one shot and have their body part look a particular way. That's the only reason for that piece. And, you know, coming as from someone from that era, and, and we have done this plenty of times where if we know we're going to be out broadcasting or whatever, you're going to do some push-ups, you're going to do some curls, we'll do some bro reps. Guilty. There's nothing wrong with that. Swotel Hotel, nothing, bro. That, like, <laughs> that, there's nothing wrong with that because it does get that pump, but we're not doing that for fitness. No. We're doing that for <laughs> aesthetics. <laughs> Purely for oh, aesthetics. You're, you're out in the <laughs> both of us right now. There's <laughs> hey, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody wants to look good. And, you know, but there, if you are trying to do a particular thing, think about the why. You're going to do preacher curls for one thing, not so that you are stronger or whatever. You, it's so that when you flex your arm, you're getting maximum uh, constriction of the muscles right at the bicep. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah. So that it looks a particular way when you're in your glowing little speedo, all oiled up when you're on stage <laughs> and you're throwing your bicep pose. Period. Yeah. So it's okay. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Exactly. Cool, no, we're not knocking. No, you're wise. Our bodybuilders. No, yeah. Personally, to me, like I love doing bro reps, dude. I'll do if I can't get them in. I'll do a set of like curls to presses. Hell yeah. Heck yeah, man. Dude, I got, I got someone found me in the back warm up area when I was in Brazil doing empty barbell bicep curls because I knew we were going on camera in 15 minutes. Guilty. <laughs> because I wanted to look a certain way. It had nothing to do with function, like you're setting. And, and to the bodybuilder community itself, and listen, some of the most disciplined people in the world are figure competitors and bodybuilders. I cannot even wrap my brain around the discipline that they have to do these things. We're just talking about function as far as fitness and health is concerned, right? That's what we're talking about. Functionality oh, outside it's the gym. A different why. It's a different, different why. Different why. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is what? The starting your weightlifting career with the deadlift, clean, squat, and jerk, and then introducing the clean and jerk and snatch. Obviously, it's a good path to go down, right? I would rather teach someone the clean before the snatch because they learn the movement pattern and the importance of speed and the hips and timing and all those things before you throw a barbell over the head. These movements that we're recommending are very demanding and very athletic, which is why a lot of people don't like to train them and more specifically coach them. But weightlifting, the one word, is a sport where weight training is not. As we scroll here, oh, yes, throwing. This is like the medicine ball work, the ab mat sit up with the ball over your head, the side throws. You'll see a lot of those athletes do. And typically with a med ball, you know, they add another potent stimulus for strength, power, speed, coordination, agility, balance, and accuracy. Yes, the medicine ball is a good tool for that. I have here in blue this, oh, have you ever played this game? Yeah. Hoover ball. Lots. When I started CrossFit, we played one game of Hoover ball in probably like my three months that were there. And then for the next year, I never, I never looked at the workouts. I just came into the six o'clock class. Hoover ball. I would look for that on the board every day after that. <laughs> every day after that. So Hoover ball. Let me uh, go this direction. So I'm going to 
find this. If anybody doesn't know what Hooverball is, allow me to enlighten you because I would love to see this in the team competition. <laughs> yes. One day. Okay, Hooverball. Yes. It's played with a medicine ball, usually on, say, a volleyball court. So if you guys are just listening to this, just, just close your eyes. And, well, if you're not driving, don't do that. If you're just sitting alone <laughs> in somewhere that does not involve you having to have your eyes open. But it's, it's two players. You're on a volleyball court, and the court is split in half. So you have a back half of the court and a front half of the court, the front half of the court being at the net. You have a 20-pound med ball for guys, 14 for women. And the... The object of the game is to throw the med ball over the net and hopefully to land on the ground or in the sand to your opponent's side. If you catch the ball in the front half by the net, you have to throw it to the back half on the other side. If you catch it in the back half, you can throw it anywhere you want on the field. And when you only play with two people, right? If you play with four and six, there's not a lot of movement. There's not a lot of fitness involved when it comes to this. But when you play with two on a full volleyball court in sand... It is the most fun I have ever had with the med ball. That's what I would do at the last day of my season in fire. We'd go really? down to the beach, down to the volleyball courts, and we would play that, yeah. Mostly because, like, with the 20-pound ball, mm -hmm. uh, like, I know that they usually do a lighter ball. They'll do, like, six-pound, I think, is the, like the original The original, setup. yeah, we six. Would, we would do the 20-pound, and when that thing hits you... Dude. Like, <laughs> you're going to definitely, definitely pull a trap muscle for sure. <laughs> like, grab it and your head goes snapped back and forth. But it is so fun. And so, so fun. It is, it is so much fun. And when people are like, why is it called Hoover Ball? Well, another fun fact here that we have for you guys is that the game was invented by President Herbert Hoover, his personal physician, who was a Medal of Honor recipient, Joel T. Boone. And to help keep President Hoover fit. So he made up this game with a med ball. And yeah, it was played with six-pound ball back in the day. But, you know, we've advanced. And so we play <laughs> with 20s. And this, this game, if you guys have never played it, go play this with your gym. Have like a field day or whatever. It is so much damn fun. And to my tooting my own horn, I have never lost. Ooh. I've never lost a Hoover ball tournament. All right. Yeah. Man, guy, when I saw this come up, because I haven't thought about Hoover Ball in forever. It was. It it was I, th I, I'll think about it every once in a while. It'll come up randomly. But that, it's a, you're talking about OG. Mm. That's an OG thing. Yes. Very OG thing. All right. Let's go. Let's continue on here. Oh, I lost it. Uh, nutrition. Do you see it? Uh, no. All right. Let me pull up this window again. There it is. There it is. There it is. Let me expand. Bear with me. There. Bigger? Yep, that's good. Does it have, oh, it has both on there. That's not what I want. All right, so as we talked about Hoover Ball as far as throwing, now we move to nutrition. Big top line, nutrition is a critical role in your fitness. Proper nutrition can amplify or diminish the effect of your training. And when we approach nutrition, that is a big thing of what we're looking at, is eating for performance or eating for health. Food is fuel, period. And if you fuel the tank with something that it can utilize, your performance will increase. If you fuel it with something 
that you won't, it will decrease. That is just the way it works. Um, CrossFit talked about the zone diet. You know, that's pretty old school, but it was to get away from this, you know, this high carb diet, right? You see up here, it says 70% carbs, 20% protein, 10% fat was one of the early prescriptions. And when, when we look at this is we think about the food pyramid, the classic one that was basically prescribed, I don't know, 20 years ago, around this time. And check this thing out. At the bottom is all refined carbohydrates. This is servings in a day. Recommended servings in the day. Bread, cereal, rice, and pasta group. Six to 11 servings. Fruit group, two to four. Vegetables, three to five. And as you get higher, dairy, two to three. Meat, two to three. At the very top, they have fats, oils, and sweets. At the very top, and they say, use sparingly. This was in 1992 is when this came up. Which is batshit crazy, if you think about. Look at the bottom of that pyramid. Six to 11 servings of the bread, cereal, rice, pasta group. But the government wouldn't tell us stuff that's not going to be healthy for us there, Chase. Yeah, you're right. They're here to help us. You're right. And so I was, I was like, okay, let me, let me do a little bit more research here. And as I got into this, I was like, let's talk about type 2 diabetes. And I brought up this chart. Hey, look at that. And if you look at the bottom here, and, you know, we're at 1955 is where it starts because that's when F McDonald's began. <laughs> <laughs> and so I looked at percentage of the population diagnosed with diabetes. And around 1970, it has a big spike. Right? A little bit, a little, a little, you know, upper to 2%. And then right around this 80 to 90 to 94 range, skyrockets. And that is right around the same time this effing USDA food pyramid was brought into effect. Not a coincidence. Even worse so, I was like, hey, let's look up fast food. Okay, I looked it up. And as I looked it up, the history of fast food from 1970, when I was like, okay, 1970, oh, there's a little benchmark here, 1970. To the year 2000, in just 30 years, fast food went from a $6 billion industry to a $110 billion industry. So that 1970 spike all the way up to 2000, it increased by $104 billion dollars fast food business. You wonder why there's a spike here starting at 1970 to 2000. $104 billion increase fast food, which is just crazy. I wonder what that dip is right there at the 94. 
four ninety five. Uh, let me see. I wonder if that <clears> was. So, food pyramid was introduced in ninety two, and in two thousand five, there was a new pyramid that was put in place. I don't know what that dip is, but like right around ninety five, it just like. Launched yeah, up again. Totally. Oh, um, I think it was. Uh, oh, I have it here. Let me let me think. Let me try to find this. One second. It's just nineteen ninety five. Yeah, I think I have it. There was, I think, something around that time frame. Oh wait, right around here. Oh no, that's two thousand. There was something about like trans fat things removed. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Around yeah. that time frame. And that another one was anal, like... Anal leakage. Yeah, and then there was <laughs> another one that I read about that was like genetically modified like corn syrups were oh, banned yeah. or something like that. And when did Atkins start? Let me look this oh, up. That's a good question. Atkins diet. I mean, I know it, it had been going on for a while, but I think it got, like, popularized again. Yeah. It may have been, maybe, oh, I think that would have been, like, late 90s, huh? Early 90s, maybe? Uh, Yeah, so, like, it, it it was created in the 60s. Yeah. But I want to see when it got, like, super popular. Because there's that whole fad on Atkins. Mm-hmm. Most popular. I don't know. I think it got, I feel like it was around there. I just remember that being young and I was about that time period. Okay. So that's the nutrition thing. I just wanted to share some of that uh, brain bomb. Whole foods, people. Whole foods. Whole foods. Whole foods. All right. Let me pull up this again. Uh, wasn't there a period of time in the, Corey, wasn't there a period of time in the early 90s where everyone was eating high-carb diet? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly Bread, what we're talking everything. about. everything. Bread, pasta, everything. And I'm Italian. Come on now. Yeah. Uh, okay, let me minimize this and open this. All right, nutrition. Uh, I'm not going to minimize this anymore if I have to. <clears throat> so, yeah, sports play. Okay, so we go from nutrition to sports. We are on. I mean, we'll hit nutrition in a totally another article. Sports play a wonderful role in fitness. Sport is the application of fitness in a fantastic atmosphere of competition and mastery. And I like what you had. You actually, when you were talking about this, it actually played perfectly into this, which was really exciting. When you were saying is. The combined expression or application of the 10 general physical skills that is our motivation for their development in the first place in that sport, where sport sports develop and require all 10 general, general skills simultaneously, they do so slowly compared to our strength and conditioning program, meaning sport is better in our view at expression and testing of the skills rather than developing the skills. Meaning, so don't your have your five-year-old kid only do baseball for the next eighteen years and expect them to be like a mega athlete. 
mm-hmm. or even to be the best baseball player because that doesn't always happen either. No, it doesn't. And so, some people still talking about like, it was all bread. Yeah, all bread all the time. Uh, yes, the war against fat, which is still a thing. Zero yeah. fat, low sugar. Okay. Uh, the thing about sport here, and as we they introduce the theoretical, theoretical hierarchy of development, is a level of importance. Right? The hierarchy largely ref- reflects foundational dependence, skill, and to some degree, time ordering of development. The logical flow of this from molecular foundations, cardiovascular sufficiency, body control, extreme object control, and ultimately mastery in application. And so what we have is we have nutrition at the bottom, followed by metabolic conditioning, gymnastics. One, two, three. We have yet to say, show me your max deadlift on Instagram. Weightlifting and throwing, and at the very tip-top, sport. We don't deliberately order these components, but nature will. If you have a deficiency at any level of the pyramid, the components above will suffer. And at the very bottom, as we said before, nutrition. If your diet is shit, nothing above can be as good as it can be. We're not saying you can't do any of these things, but you will not maximize anything above the line. And that includes metabolic conditioning, gymnastics, weightlifting, throwing, and sport. Do you remember the uh, 2019 games? Yes. And they were like, we haven't got to any CrossFit stuff yet. We've either <laughs> just run or yeah. just done gymnastics or we just did heavy lifting haven't even done any CrossFit stuff. And it's like, oh, there's the pyramid right there. Oops. Interesting. Oops. Started right with the pyramid. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. There just wasn't a hot dog eating contest before that is what they didn't Oh, <laughs> right. All this conditioning and Metcons and gymnastics and just a sprinkling of weightlifting and sprinting. Like, yep. Mm-hmm. That's how it's supposed to be done. Oh, I just got out of this. All right, as we move down the line, oh, Eva T, what's up, girl? No, no. Every regimen, every routine contains within its structure a blueprint for its deficiency. And so what we mean by that is that if you have a routine, that routine, if you spelled it out for someone, you would exactly say what the deficiency of that routine is in a more structured form. It's like, hey, I do this five, three, one, you know, progression of weight training. I was like, cool. Well, what about anything over five reps? Like, are you prepared for that? The answer is no. And that's when we talk about failing at the margins of our experience. For fitness that we're pursuing, every parameter within your control needs to be modulated to broaden the stimulus as much as possible. And so when you define your program, when you're spelling it out, hopefully you keep like you would be like if if i had hey bill explain your programming to me we'd be here for days <laughs> days that's just because i that's just because i like to talk a lot right too but the breadth of your programming <laughs> isn't it just entitled to like that three-month thing that you're talking about or whatever right, right right it's like anything and everything underneath the sun should be available to your program an infinite number as it says here an infinite number of regimens that will deliver the goods now, the prescription they have here, generally, three days, one off, 
follow for maximum allows for maximum sustainability and maximum intensities. Relative intensities. We're not saying you know hit the assault bike for sprints every day. Relative intensities. Assault bike interval work. Maybe a five by five back squat on the next day, and then something long on the next day, and then you hit a gymnastics thing or whatever. Like the modalities change, the intensities change. And what I love they have here is they have the magic is in the movements and not the routine. Be creative. There's so much out there that people still haven't like done. There's so much out there that I haven't even thought of that make it so much fun for me as a programmer, but even more fun as your athletes. Let's see. Blend gymnastics and weightlifting and couplets. They have things here. Take five or six elements between them and just run through them for three rounds. You can do interval stuff. I give little examples for here. We can create routines like this forever. Don't forget jumping kettlebells, odd objects, and obstacle courses. And finally, strive to blur the distinctions between cardio and strength training. Nature has no regard for the distinction or any other, including our 10 general physical adaptations. Mix it up. It's so fun. It's so, so fun. fun. It makes it fun to do that. The last part here is says scaling and applicability. And this is great. This is the perfect place to end. The question arises as to the applicability of a regimen like CrossFit to older and deconditioned or detrained population. And in blue, the needs of an Olympic athlete and our grandparents differ by degree, not kind, which you said at the very top of the show. One is looking for functional dominance, like the CrossFit Games athlete. The others are looking for functional competence. Competence and dominance manifest through identical physiological mechanisms. Meaning, we can all do the same thing at different degrees and different levels, but we all need this. Everyone does. You can do the same thing in different ways. The end part here says we get requests from athletes. From, uh, I'm sure you get this too. Requests from, request from athletes from every sport looking for a strength and conditioning program for their sport. Like, oh, I need something for my swimmers. I need something for my baseball players. I need something for my wrestlers. And here's the, here's the secret. This is that black box theory back in the day. The need for specificity is nearly completely met by regular practice and training within your sport, not the strength and conditioning environment. Our military, they say terrorist hunters, which is great. Skiers, mountain bikers, <laughs> and housewives have found the best fitness from the same regimen. And what we're saying there is like, you don't need a sport-specific strength and conditioning program. If you want to get better at your sport, practice your sport. Yeah, we, I, I run into it all the time. Coaches, strength and conditioning coaches, high schools, universities, parents that want their kid to get a scholarship at some point, they all think that they should just be throwing the ball, throwing the ball, throwing the ball, foot quickness drills, foot quickness drills, foot quickness drills. And I tell all of them, look, if my job is to make you a better machine, a machine, the whole system, 
if you are a better machine, then you will be able to become a better this, that, or the other thing based on the specific skills that you're working on. But you can't, if you work only specific skills, then there is a ceiling at what you'll hit. The reason Rich was so good from him when he came in was not because he was the best CrossFit athlete. It was because he played football and baseball and hockey and wrestled and ran over here and built yep. these things and was out in the fourth. He was just a well-rounded machine because he was active. Those old school three sport kids are much better machines mm -hmm. than the one kid that is five years old and only does the same thing all the time. Unless they have a coach, like if it's a, a swimmer or a club swimmer or whatever, yeah. where they have a coach that realizes, hey, I need to make sure that you are strong and that you have all these other things. Like it, it's, I tell a swimmer about CrossFit and they look at me funny, <laughs> but yet I look at the Olympics and they have, you know, the athletes flipping tires and mm -hmm. doing bat like, and I'm not a fan of battle ropes, but, uh, but seeing those other things that are not swimming, cleans, et cetera. It's like, well, why are they doing that? You're a swimmer is not going to be flipping a tire. So why would they be doing that? Yep. It's because if you build the machine to be a better system, quarter extremity movement, being able to increase in those 10 physical traits, then they will be better at their sport. You can layer their specifics on top of that, but this gives them the foundation, whether they're young, you know, high school, college, or they're above college, even, even, even in, into professional, it will keep them healthy, keep them safe, keep them protected, and then still be able to, um, layer those sports specific things on top and make them a better, whatever. It's yep. so hard for people to get that though. It is. And I think a lot of people do that because they're like, oh, well, they're going to play in the NFL or major league baseball. And it's like, that is so much different than what we're talking about. And it's the same yeah. thing we're talking about here. We talk about what is fitness. We're not talking about what is the fittest person on earth. That is not the, that is not the article. For the 99.99% right. of us in the world, this protocol is for that fitness, health, life balance that everybody needs. For 99.9% .9 of every kid that plays sports, they're not making it to a professional league to get a million dollar payday. They're not. And so everybody should be doing this baseline foundational strength and conditioning programming to get better at everything. You will get better at everything doing this. You will. Everything. 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 Will, will you be the top 0.001%? No, you're going to have to sacrifice a lot of things to get there. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the baseline foundational element of CrossFit and the beauty that that can impose on not just your life, but those around you. And that's the whole point. Yeah. Good talk. That was a good one. Good talk. Good talk. Good oh, man, that was fun. What's the next one? Let me see. What is next on the docket? Ooh, cool. Strategies for a seven-minute 2K on the Concept 2 rower. Gross. Yes. <laughs> All right. So we go from some foundational elements to something a bit more specific. I like that. I like that. Some people might not like that. Yeah. Sub 7, 2K. No problem. 145 pace? Well, 144. 145, you'll miss it. Yep. Oh, all right, gang. Well, thank you guys for joining us so much. This has been awesome. This is our Glassman Chipper, Chipper article number three. We'll do article number four, which is strategies for the seven-minute 2K on the Concept 2 rower. Bill?
Pleasure as always. Thank you guys for joining us. Thanks for coming, everybody. Have a great weekend. Bye. Bye.